Welcome to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. The hit cast offers a weekly look at Hollywood from a conservative point of view. Sick of media bias infecting Hollywood headlines? Tired of stars insulting your views? Hit has your back. Now, here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to episode 88 of the Hollywood and Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. This week we're speaking with the one and only Dennis Miller. I'm thrilled not just to talk with him, but to share his thoughts on the modern comedy, our culture's partisan divide, and so much more. I've been looking forward to this for weeks, and Dennis did not disappoint. This week's show is sponsored by Murphy Brown, the CBS sitcom brought back from retirement because someone had to speak truth to power about President Trump. I wanted to start this week's show by getting a little personal. My political wake-up call came September 12th, 2001. I didn't lose anyone dear to me in the terrorist attacks that took the lives of approximately 3,000 people. It still woke me up about how modern politics worked. I was working at the Washington Times in D.C. back then, and my commute took me past the Pentagon every morning. When I got to work that day, I saw my colleagues huddled around a very small TV. I just remember this was 2001, so flat panels weren't all the rage quite yet. You know the rest of the story. But what followed really shocked me. And I'm not talking about terrorism and Al-Qaeda and what we could all be facing in the near future. I watched as liberals, people on the left, attacked America. We had it coming. The chickens, as one man of faith famously said, had come home to roost. Suddenly flying the American flag was frowned on in some circles. Count me out. I was awake. And I was changed. I remember I could smell it, what appeared to be smoke around my neighborhood in the days after the attacks. I'll never forget the moments that we went through, the emotions we felt, and that smell. This week's guest, Dennis Miller, had a similar reaction to the terrorist attacks of September 11th. He told an interview that he, the, the terrorist attacks changed him, and he was shocked that more people didn't have a similar reaction. So what did he do? He used his comic gifts to talk about the subject, to poke and prod the left, first on his radio show and now on his killer podcast. You know, that awful day is one reason I took my work in a more conservative direction. It just felt right, and I don't mean any pun there. This week's guest did the same, but, you know, he never lost his sharp wit, his sense of humor, his decency, and his humanity. I've always loved how Dennis Miller talks to people on the left with all the compassion and warmth and humor of people on the right. He doesn't bring it to the show, but it's still part of his presentation. For years, now, for years now, I've tried to cling to that same approach when it comes to writing about movies and Hollywood and entertainment. I want to advance freedom and liberty all the time, but also don't want to be bitter or angry or vicious when I'm doing my work. It's part of my core belief. It's why I created this podcast and why I created HollywoodInToto.com. But I have to say, some weeks, when seemingly all of Hollywood declares a Supreme Court nominee to be the devil himself, it's not so easy. You're listening to the Hollywood in Toto podcast, the right take on entertainment. Here's the hit tweet of the week. Oh, Chelsea. She's back and better than ever. America's favorite full-time activist, Chelsea Handler, made a career out of her drunken escapades and bragging about them. 
These days, she can't help but share her profound insights on politics via Twitter. Bill Cosby is set to serve three to ten years in prison, but when he's released, he's expected to be nominated to the Supreme Court. No amount of drinking can excuse that kind of stupidity. One more. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to my daddy's podcast. My hit tip of the week is The Longest Yard. I had never seen the Burt Reynolds prison film up until recently, but then after he passed, I had to have a, some kind of Burt fix. I wanted to watch something that he had done. So I picked that one. Good choice. Reynolds plays a really arrogant ex-quarterback who gets thrown in jail for a series of terrible decisions. Of course, he's recruited by the warden, played by a really sharp Eddie Albert, to form an inmate football team to help the guards team stay sharp. Bad idea. Reynolds' star power is on full display here. He's a jerk. You can't help but root for him all the same. That's charisma on steroids. The humor here is a little hokey at times, a little forced, but the story itself holds together nicely. It also shows how sports and doing your best against the worst odds brings out some dignity within all of us. You know, today rooting on the anti-heroes is super common. We see it all the time. But back then, you know, the, the 70s was the age of the independent film and sort of that edgy kind of storytelling. It still felt a bit different. And while some 70s movies have aged badly, The Longest Yard its a pretty pleasant express, exception. The film is available now on Amazon Prime. Now let's get to this week's HitCast interview. Dennis Miller. Enough said, right? But wait, there's more. Dennis's latest stand-up special, premiering on Election Day, November 6th, is Dennis Miller. Fake news, real jokes. I love it already. You can find it, on the, you can find it via Comedy Dynamics Network, CDN, through Amazon, iTunes, Steam, Google Play, and other video platforms. Or, if you're kind of old school, you can grab the album version the same day on all digital and physical audio platforms. Want more Dennis? He hosts a twice-weekly podcast, The Dennis Miller Option, available on podcastone.com and iTunes. And his twice-daily syndicated 60-second radio feature, The Miller Minute, is out there too. You know, for years I was thrilled to share my movie reviews on his radio show. I'm absolutely tickled pink to talk to him here. Just a quick note before we start. I had to record our chat with a different method than usual, so Dennis sounds pretty good. My audio quality, not so much, but you know what? We're here to listen to a comedy legend, not just me, so I think you'll enjoy. Here's my chat with legendary comedian Dennis Miller. Well, Dennis, thank you for joining the show. You know, obviously the title of your new special may be the uh, spoiler alert we need, but uh, can you tease a little bit about the topics you're going to be talking about on the the show? Well, listen, uh, I I think it's going to deal mainly with the subject du jour of our entire planet, which is uh, social media. (laughs) I'm I'm throwing in a dash of uh, fear of technology, and uh, I'm going to stir in a a, a bit of... uh, Approbation of per, uh, abrogation of personal responsibility, not approbation, abrogation of personal responsibility. Uh, also, there'll be some politics in there. Although, Chris, uh, Christian, to be honest, I think this is my ninth one-hour special. And as I was doing it last week, I was watching uh, the NFL news, and they said that an NFL player named Vontae Davis had retired at halftime. Not, not quit the game, like that game, and he's back. He retired, and they said well, what happened? And he said, well, there were 47 seconds left in the first half, and in an instant, it hit me. 
do this anymore. And as I was doing this last special, and I'm proud of it, but as I was doing the political stuff, I thought, you know, for my 10th special, I'm going to just do one called Just Funny and get out of the business because it's so, I don't have to tell you that it's so balkanized right now, so Hatfield McCoy that literally half, you're losing half the crowd. So I'm going to try to uh, reset my uh, calibrations and next time just go for uh, laughs that are of a non-topical nature. Yeah, I appreciate that and I think we need it. But I wanted to ask you about the it's kind of a new movement afoot where comedy doesn't have to be funny. Laughs are kind of uh, maybe not required. There's a new special on Netflix, uh, Hannah Gadsby's the comedian, or the not the comedian. And, and sort of the new thing is, hey, we're living in such serious times, maybe jokes aren't appropriate. What, what's your take on that? Why is that happening? Well, ironically, that's very funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's like somebody telling me that swimming doesn't involve the staying on the surface part anymore. <laughs> I'll nod and say that sounds very wise and evocular, and I'll just move away from it because I know if I bridle at it, I'll be viewed as an old square. But let's face facts, comedy exists for one reason, and that's to evoke some laughter. And if you're uh, if you're going for no laughs whatsoever. Well, I would say this. It would be easier for you to insist you had been successful. <laughs> That's right. It becomes a TED Talk. Uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, about your comedy and, and more the political stuff, you know, you never lack material, but these days no one is poking fun at the left, and I know you're more socially liberal and maybe fiscally conservative. Is it like a kid in the candy store for you these days where you've got this entire landscape almost all to yourself? 98% of your comedian peers are, are hitting you know, Trump and the GOP. You've got the whole wealth of material. Is, does that make it easier, harder? What's the challenge there? You really have to think about how much you want to let it into your life, the rancor. Um, I, I don't mind it a, a little. I, you, you see enough on social media now to realize that everybody's hated by somebody. I think we used to theorize that, but let's face facts. Everybody, you, you read, I, I was doing an interview with a writer who was very funny. He said, I said that to him, and he said, you're right, everybody hates somebody else. There's only, I guess only Jim Gaffigan is in the middle, and that made me laugh out loud. I said, exactly, Jim Jim seems to be the Greenwich Mean Time on this thing. But uh, I would uh, I, I would say I don't fancy that everybody likes me. I think I learned that when I was doing Monday Night Football. I'm around a half-and-a-half half guy. I've always had a career on the mean line, and if I stray too far from that, I, I don't think I wear it well. But I'll also say this. I, I do look at certain jokes now and think, do I need those headaches? Because, you know, you send up the wrong trial balloon now, and your life's kind of hellish. I wrote a joke a while back about some of uh, the woman who appeared at the White House press court dinner, and I didn't know who she was, and I wrote a joke to the effect that uh, I thought what she did to Sarah Sanders was uh, I, I didn't like that, and I said, I'm going to research who this woman is and write something hateful by Wednesday. It was like Saturday. Uh, I have no idea who she was. I fell into the churn on the Internet because people were saying, well, you're that stupid. It would take you four days, you, you know, and all that. And I realized if you really step in it, like Roseanne, you know, that's what resonated me with Norm the other day when he said he was talking to Roseanne and she couldn't quit crying. It, it's like Hester Prynne in the Scarlet Letter times. Well, how many people, you know, are on the Internet? Billions, right? You, you can really 
fall into it, you have to think about, is this joke or is this thought worth it to me to fall into that? Because one time you're, you know, you're riding along on the, uh, on the Niagara River at the top of it, and then you slip up and you're the 82-year-old woman in the, in the can at the bottom of the horseshoe falls, just getting the kicked out of you in the churn. It's amazing. You know, one of the things I've always enjoyed about your, your radio show and now your podcast is that you have tons of guests on, celebrity guests, the banter is great, and yet a lot of them don't align with you politically, and it, it's never an issue. It is, do you find that's becoming more challenging now that we're getting angrier, or have you kind of been able to kind of, you know, avoid certain things and just keep those kinships alive? Well, listen, friendships are infinitely more important to me than scoring political points with people, and if I had somebody on I knew it was, was a certain persuasion, it was a dear friend of mine, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. If I thought somebody was coming on for the sole intent of blocking antlers with me about stuff like that, that's boring to me. Uh, I like uh, I like a nice raconteur who's reasonably convivial. Uh, agreeing with me on things is so unimportant to me. But if the sole, if the raison d'etre is to come on and we have a blood fight to the death. It doesn't interest me. I'm just trying to ships that go bump in the night. Uh, I, I, I like good conversation. I'm not saying I'm a, uh, I, uh, I'm a great practitioner of that, but I've always admired Jack Parr, Dick Cavett. I, I'd like to keep it in that realm more. I, to, honest to God, to me, the least thing that tells me about somebody is the D or the R after their name. I have many of my dearest friends are liberals and uh, I I just I don't want to live my life like that that seems tedious to me yeah uh, we're talking with Dennis Miller whose latest stand-up special fake news real jokes debuts November 6th election day you know your podcast to me as a fan of your show and now the podcast it has a different vibe to it it's more intimate it's a little more personal I feel like there's more of the real you there I'm kind of curious from your perspective, creatively speaking, what's been the big change for you? Obviously, there's no commercial breaks or very few, but what's, yeah. what's, what's the big perk here? Terrestrial radio, Christian, is a uh, heavily, heavily formatted. I don't mean your beliefs, but let's face facts. You go on and around six after, and there's a reasonably hard out around eight minutes later, and then you have a guest for eight minutes, and there's a very hard out where they'll cut the sound off at the bottom of the hour. And then you have around eight minutes, and um, you can recount a little in there. But then again, you are you know, subject to heavily stipulated uh, FCC things. And then there's a hard out at the top of the hour. In between, you have to do commerce, all that. Um, I enjoyed it for eight years. Well, let's face facts, a podcast is sort of like if, if you held it at 50 minutes, it would almost be like a, a therapy session where your shrink didn't show up, where the people – the listeners have taken the, the substitution spot of a, a shrink. You can make it as long as you want. You, you have some ads in there, but the you know the people who advertise on podcasts are fully aware that it's a much looser, funkier thing. And uh, so you don't have to hit the mark as much. And therefore, I, I, I don't read anything. I don't want to sound like Larry King on the houseboat in Miami in the late 80s when he was doing that, or you know, early 80s when he was doing that show, where you completely stay so... Uh, Tabla Ross and don't even follow what the guest is about. If I have a guest on, I try to figure out what they do because I want to be kind to them, a good host. But if there's no guest on, I don't read anything. I, I literally go in 
and try to, my, the only thing I try to do is once I get into the studio, within five seconds after putting the headphones on, I try to, to say, are we ready? And they always say, yep. Uh, not that I'm running that tight a ship, but they, they know when I come in. And I go three, two, one, and I just, I have no preconception of what I'm going to say at that point, And I like it. And then around an hour later, or an hour and ten minutes later, when I feel like I'm running on vapors, I check out. And even as I do that, I tell them, I think I'm running out of interesting stuff here. So let's wrap this. So it's almost like uh, completely candid. Yeah. It's so organic. It's one of the, I think it's one of the reasons why it's so good. And across the platforms, yeah, I was reading, I, I kind of have to ask an obligatory. Well, you and I have always said such a good thing. You know, I find you a, a great guest to have. I had you on Terrestrial and uh, had you on the podcast, and you're easy with it. And, and like I said, you don't feel like you're in some turf match or a game of chicken at the Griffith Park Observatory with Jim Dean or something. You know, you're, you're two people trying to sound interesting about films they like for a 20-minute period. It's like when you used to go on Letterman, and granted, Dave could be, uh, you know, uh, he was, a, let's say, a very specific cat about what he wanted to do and not do on his show, but I always used to love it when I talked to him in the break, and he's there, hey, it's eight minutes, have two funny stories, I'm trying to do showbiz here. <laughs> that used to always resonate with me. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that the conversation is, is king again, and I think people are responding to that. I, I want to ask real quickly about Saturday Night Live, and I was reading a quote of yours. You said that when you were on the show, Lorne Michaels said, hey, mock the powerful, that's our job. We kind of poke yeah. one, and the show has done that for decades. And yet I watched it during the Obama years, and I almost think they took a knee. Remember Jay Farrow, who did the impression, said, you know, they kind of give up on the Obama thing. For, as an outsider with sort of intimate knowledge of the, of the, the inner workings of that show, what happened? What, why did it have to change? Well, listen, I, I read a very interesting quote from Lauren. Just this morning, I recanted it for my wife, but I read it last night. There's a pretty brilliant article. It's, it's wild. It's untethered. But it, why do I go to Chevy Chase articles? I don't go to them to be formulaic. I like the fact that Chevy lacks a governor in many ways. Uh, the same with Norm. But in the article, Chevy talks about how he was at his daughter's wedding, and somehow he said to Lauren, I'm ready to make a comeback on Saturday Night Live. Lauren said, you're too old. And I can hear Lauren saying it, joking. And Lauren loves Chevy. But I can see Chevy maybe in some uh, quasi-fetal position or something, taking that as a wounding thing. And he talks about it uh, in the article. And then they go back to Lauren and tell that story to him. And he says, oh, come on. He's, uh, I said it in passing and joking with a friend. He said, the only thing I can tell you about show business now is when we first did Saturday Night Live, it was post-Vietnam. New York was in a death spiral, the city itself, and everybody was pissed off in the streets, and you could get away with stuff that was a lot more controversial. He said, it is not that time now. And then he went on to say, the only thing that I would say is a consistent true line in show business, as far as I've observed it over the years, is that you have to reinvent yourself, walk in through the door again to the powers that be, reintroduce yourself, and he also said, and make it fresh. I think Lauren realizes right now what a suicide run it would be with a cast. When you read stories like uh, what I guess Norm was supposed to be on uh, Jimmy Fallon last week, and Jimmy, who I know loves Lauren and probably looks up to Lauren, had, or to uh, uh, Norm, had to come into a room and say, Norm, I can't have you on tonight. I've got senior producers crying in the other room. Now listen, as much as Lauren wants to be a, uh, a social barometer and all that, 
at the end of the day, you know what he is. He's a great producer who's put a hit show on for going on five, you know, five decades at this point. It's like he's the David Merrick of network television, and I, I, I just can't see uh, you know, that Lauren is not perceptive enough to realize if his cast comes in and says, I want to sing the Leonard Cohen song because Hillary's lost, that he can fight that. You know what I mean? I, I think he has to exceed to that. I was watching a clip of that, and that girl's very talented. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just blanking on her name. She's won an Emmy. Yeah, but she, I, I kept thinking, okay, what's the payoff here? Because when I was there, believe me, it was all about uh, putting a stick in the eye of the powerful. She got to the end of the song and just stopped. And there was another night I saw a clip of three women singing to Sir With Love to a portrait of Obama. And it got to the end and it just stopped. Yes, something's changed there. And I can only assume it's the pragmatic, let's put on a show part of Lorne that feels that that's not a fight worth having now. But guess what? I was on the show, what, 20 I always assume things change. You know, when people say your political beliefs seem to change from when I first saw it, I said, it's 30. It's 30. I'm, I'm 64. It's 34 years there where I've accrued knowledge, developed rhino skin in some areas, probably feel more fragile in other areas, and, and to think that nothing would evolve as far as your political beliefs over a 30-year period just is mind-boggling to me. The people are stupefied about that. I don't know what Lauren's doing over there. I don't know the show as well, but I do know this. It's for its times, and it seems hugely popular. And at the end of the day, I know Eyes on Product is one of the prime directives for Norm, or for yeah. Lauren. Why do I keep saying Lauren and Norm together? I guess <laughs> it's the OR sound at the core. Gotcha. I want to maybe just kind of take a, a backwards trip. When you were a younger person, even before you hit the stand-up stage, were you always able to kind of connect funny thoughts? I mean, I, it's what you're known for. It's, it's, your, it's your calling card. Well, I, was good on, I was good in similes. I had What's two that? things. Uh, I was good. Uh, I used to have a sister in a Catholic school named Sister John Ann. And I looked her up. That's the amazing thing about the Internet. I, I believe she's still alive and still heads up a school district somewhere in Pittsburgh. And she was, at the time, strict but fair, I thought. And she used to end her class with uh, either spelling bee, I remember, or uh, numbers, where she would say seven times nine plus four times six go really fast. And both those things stuck in my head. I'm decent at spelling. I get screwed up on EIE once in a while. I'm not good on grammar, but I don't remember her playing a game on that. That's a real blind spot for me is grammar. I'm good on those sort of numbers. And I remember when I first started taking systematic testing, I was uh, really adept at similes. So I guess later in life, when I, I remember I had a big thing on the wall of my office at Saturday Night Live because Herb Sargent and I, after the first few weeks, would write 90% of that uh, newscast, except for the guests who would write their characterizations. I had nothing to do with that. But I would sit there when I was stuck in between feeling the precipice right, right at my back that you'd have a co-host or you wouldn't be doing the news if you didn't get it together. I had this template on my wall that said, indignation, what am I, arcane reference. And I would look <laughs> up at that. And it was sort of like if I got trapped, I'd think, go back to basics, uh, take a headline that makes you indignant, put the fulcrum, what am I, 
and then take something that's an odd reference that tertiarily, uh, you know, refers back to the indignation, and I'd have my joke. So uh, that that was always a bit of a even at the beginning. I can remember doing like and as jokes even when I was in the embryo of uh, just beginning comedy. It's just it's just Matt. You can't argue with Matt. I had a couple last questions for you before we let you go. One is. Are you watching something right now or listening to something or even reading something that you think is really good, you're enjoying oh, yeah. it, you think other people should kind of be aware of it? Kind of like, I mean, not like a typical, oh, go see First Man because it's a good movie that's coming soon. <laughs> something a little off the beaten path. <laughs> well, listen, I, um, I'm watching Ozark, and uh, I think that Jason Bateman is just really, uh, to say great makes it like, I'm not saying Ken Branagh, in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, great. I'm talking about sublime great. Like he's so good in that show, and it's not even a, quite frankly, a milieu that fascinates me. You know, uh, lakefront money laundering in the middle of the country is not exactly. I'm more prone to think about 1948 New York City. You know, Sweet Spell of Success would be something I'd be drawn to the milieu. But it's just great. It's absolutely great, and. Reading-wise, I uh, listen-read because I like the British accent. I'm trying to do the entire bibliography of the great P.G. Woodhouse, and uh, I would encourage anybody that this man has written 73 novels. I'm only around 26 or 27 in. I listen, that's all I listen to when I hike. There, when I come home, I'm reading, uh, trying to finish this uh, uh, Nabokov autobiography, Speak Memory, which my wife put me on to, my son, and it's great, but I have to read it like in slow motion because he's so smart that you have to reflect online. So that's what I'm reading. But listening to Woodhouse is an absolute delight, and you must get a British guy, uh, preferably a man named Jonathan Cecil, to read these books because the Wooster and G's, Blanding Castle, all that stuff, he is uh, the funniest, I'd have to say, not stand-up, obviously, but as a humorist, the funniest one we've ever had. Excellent. I knew you'd have some great tips. Well, finally, if you were talking to a young comic today, I know the landscape has changed, although you're right smack in the middle of it, what would you tell him or her as far as the, their first stages of their career? What, what, what kind of advice would you give? Stay out of the fray right now. It's hard enough to get half of an entire crowd to laugh at you as a fledgling comedian, to think that you're winnowing it down to getting an entirety of that half who would even listen to you now. It's just a suicide run. Yeah. You have to stay out of the fray at the beginning, and then even down the road, you should look at the, the world as it's currently configured and how fractious it is, and think about whether you want to make that your calling card. Because right now, you're not going to get anybody on the other side. There are people who will tackle themselves before they'll laugh at somebody that they disagree with. So uh, I would say to the people, if you're trying to get 50% of 100, that's one thing. If you're trying to get 100% of 50 that will like you if you go political, that's a completely different creature. So I would throw out, cast as wide and as tightly hewn a net as you can, as opposed to, uh, uh, I don't know, slitting your throat of your own volition right up front. That is good advice. Dennis, thank you for joining the show. Your new special, Dennis Miller, Fake News, Real Jokes, debuts November 6th, Election Day. And, of course, don't miss an episode of the Dennis Miller Option with his Guy Friday, Christian Blatt, on the Podcast One Network. Dennis, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. 
Yeah, you're always kind to me, Christian. Thanks for your time. Well, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out HollywoodandToto.com for both the show notes and, of course, the latest entertainment news. Please follow me at Twitter at HollywoodandToto. And we'd love it if you leave a podcast review over at iTunes. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.